Hello and welcome to Intellectual Property Magazine's podcast. I'm your host, Ben Wodecki, and this is Episode 7, Asset Aegis in Times of Austerity. On the panel today is David Bloom from Safeguard IP, a former IP solicitor with over 15 years experience advising clients on the exploitation and protection of IP. He left the legal profession in 2014 to establish Safeguard IP, the UK's only dedicated IP insurance broker. He holds first-hand experience of how investment in IP can be undermined by copycats and predatory competitors. His clients include innovative businesses of all sizes looking to protect their investment in IP. Thanks for coming on the pod, David. How are you? I'm very well, Ben. Thank you for having me today. Also, joining us is Ian Lewis from Aon. Ian has spent the past 30 years working with clients both large and small to ensure their IP exposures either as a broker working for the client to identify and transfer their risk or as an underwriter for insurers where he has pioneered new products and risk assessment models to improve risk selection and pricing. Today he heads up the IP underwriting arm of Aon's IP solutions team with an aim to develop unrivaled IP product solutions for a plethora of IP issues as an MGA open to all brokers across multiple jurisdictions. Ian, thanks for joining us. How are you? Hi, thanks. Uh, very good, Ben. Thanks for inviting me and um, hopefully you're you're well too. I'm very well, thank you. And finally, Aoife Wolf, Head of IP at Tokyo Marine Kiln, joins us. She's focused on developing innovative intellectual property insurance products and working with clients to support their risk and transfer needs. She's also been recognised by our sister title, Insurance Day, as a rising star in underwriting in 2019. Aoife, thanks for joining us. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. It's a pleasure to join you this afternoon. That's it for introductions. It's time to get on with the pod. Today, we're talking all about IP insurance, covering how insurance can add value to IP rights, the potential importance of IP insurance in the current distressed economic environment, and what options are actually available for rights holders and brands at this time. David, let's just start things off with you. Would you mind outlining for our listeners the importance of IP insurance, given the current distress? economic environment? Sure. I think uh, IP insurance plays a number of important roles. Obviously, the COVID pandemic has had a negative impact on the majority of businesses in the UK. But even before the pandemic hit, IP insurance was a hugely expensive undertaking for businesses. So now that's even um, more so. And uh, what IP insurance does is allows IP rich businesses to budget for the event of IP insurance, which which is obviously more important now than ever before. And also another important role it, it plays is that businesses now are looking to raise funds. And if an investor looks at an IP-rich business and sees that the IP is insured, that clearly gives the, the investor a comfort that uh, if an IP litigation arises, it won't have to put its hands in its pockets. So I think for those for those reasons, IP insurance can add real value to a business. To what extent, Aoife, do you feel that the current COVID pandemic has impacted brands using and utilising IP insurance? Have you seen a potential increase in, in claims from your side? Sure, certainly seen an increase increase in the market in general and in industry in litigation. I was reading a report last week which stated that not only is litigation up comparably between 2019 and 2020, in which case we've seen a 16% increase in litigation, but it's also up between Q1 2020 and Q2, and it's up 12%. So we're seeing a year-on-year increase and a quarter-on-quarter increase. Now, there's many speculative reasons as to why there's more litigation now, and to touch on a few of those. So a lot of entities in the start of the year might have been planning to litigate against their competitors are now filed earlier. So filed in Q2 instead of 
filing in Q4 for fear of expedited delays in the court systems. We also see entities moving to monetize their asset before the percentage of damages potentially goes down that could be awarded in one of those cases. So in other words, damages are calculated reversed on what your revenue income was on that infringing item and that the pandemic is potentially blurring those lines as everyone's revenue dips lower. And then finally, we're seeing litigating entities pushing their competitors to a place where they may potentially be uncomfortable because as David touched on, companies are suffering during the pandemic. They, you know, Their revenues are dropping off and they don't want to suffer any further distress. So they'll either settle the litigation early or they will just remove the products or services that have been um, accused of an allegation of infringement. So all of that drives our clients to be a little bit more concerned about what their activity is going to look like in respect of their own business. And luckily, the clients that are already buying are protected from these sorts of events happen. But it's the clients actually that do not have any intellectual property or have a very limited amount and who don't have IP insurance that are kind of sitting exposed. So Ian, building on on from what Aoife was saying, have you and your team seen an increase of claims? And would you mind outlining for us what options are actually available for a rights holder or brand at this current time? Yeah, certainly. Um, And dealing with the first bit, uh, part of that first, my, uh, I mean, we definitely have seen an increase in dispute activity. And I I use that phrase deliberately because whilst there's obviously publicly available information, um, looking at courts and we're seeing an increase in litigation through the courts, we're also seeing an increased sort of licensing activity. Um, So this would be, if you like, pre-litigation requests for uh, licensing, etc. So I think that we're seeing very much an upturn in activity. That's also linked at the same time if we compare it to previous economic downturns. So we seem to find that in an economic downturn, we get more litigation and disputes around IP. And I think that is very much as Aoife was sort of alluding to, people might be utilizing their IP assets strategically, either one to, to get in early, and uh, as Aoife was mentioning, or possibly even just recognizing that others may have much less of an appetite for the litigation uh, and or a fight, and therefore are more open to a settlement. So if you're a non-practicing entity, or perhaps a patent troll in, in other words, you might see that now's a really good time to bring your case because people are less likely to fight you. They may May want to settle. If you're a competitor, again, you may be looking at, at, at something and seeing your counterparts uh, weaker or less inclined to deal with the issues through the courts. In terms of the solutions that are available, that's quite a broad uh, area. Obviously, as an MGA, we provide some solutions, but effectively, it's possible in the marketplace to be able to buy coverage for an infringement assertion against a client. So it's defensive coverage, and that would then cover would be available to pay for the legal costs, professional fees and expenses, the liability, and even some first party um, exposures. It's possible to have coverage for enforcement. So it's the flip side. If you're typically a smaller SME or even micro enterprise, it's the ability to be able to pursue somebody that's infringing your IP, stealing your, your IP and living off your investment. There's cover available for a challenge to the title, validity or ownership scope of those rights. It's possible to have disputes over how those rights are traded or licensed and that sort of thing. So contractual related disputes. And we're also seeing now growth in market. In fact, my colleagues have recently uh, bound a risk where from an investment point of view, we've been able to ensure the value to a certain extent of the IP for a lender um, to securitize uh, a loan. How exactly does IP insurance add value to an asset or portfolio? And 
are those companies and, and businesses that hold IP insurance for their product or portfolio, how better off do you reckon they are even before going into the pandemic? Well, my book of business is predominantly micro businesses, say with a turnover of less than 5 million. But their they're driving reasons for purchasing IP insurance are either because they are looking to raise investment for their business. And their view is that if they have cover in place, investors will take comfort from that. Because clearly, if their IP is their most valuable asset, it's important that they recognize that and take steps to, to protect it. So that their view is, my client's view is, is that obviously having cover in place will add value in that regard. Also, if they are licensing their rights to third parties, often that third party might, might be uh, larger than them and require indemnities that the IP doesn't infringe third party rights. Uh, and the only way they can mitigate that risk is to have cover in place. So often they wouldn't be able to enter into licenses unless they had IP insurance in place to satisfy the licensee that they can meet the exposure under the indemnity. There are a number of ways. And obviously the main the main purpose is to fund IP litigation should it arise. Clearly, if a company does all the right things in terms of capturing, registering, and exploiting its IP. If it is then unable to fund litigation to enforce that IP to stop infringers, then the IP is essentially worthless. So to have the firepower to protect the IP is, is a crucial element in that process. Building on, on, on what David was saying, do you have any advice for brand owners or, or stakeholders that are considering going down the IP insurance route, either during this current period or, or once we're eventually uh, post this this uh, current pandemic? Insurance companies in general, in particular the London market, is very open to working with clients and helping them to transfer some of the risk. And as Ian previously touched upon, there's a variety of different offerings on a product offerings in the market. And that's where the specialist London market comes in. And in particular, people like Ian and companies like TMK and Aon work together to develop those products. So I would say for any company, brand owners, stakeholders, as you mentioned, that are looking to go down the insurance route is working with their brokers. Underwriters are more than happy to get on a call with these clients and speak directly to their needs. It doesn't have to be a standardized off-the-shelf product in order to meet those requirements that they have because at the moment we're seeing all sorts of weird and wonderful cases that clients would like to transfer their risk that are not within their appetite but is potentially within our appetite and we can help with that so have a call have a call with your broker and discuss with one of the underwriters Ian anything to add on that do you have any advice for for brand owners in terms of avoiding pitfalls when considering or approaching IP insurance avoiding pitfalls is an interesting phrase I wouldn't necessarily say there are there are pitfalls, but there's certainly things that, that people can do to better represent their risk. And that, I think, a well-presented risk works through with, with, with a broker, um, and ideally an insurance broker that has experience in working in this class can be invaluable, actually. Somebody like David, for example, and, and, and there are others. Obviously, I would suggest my colleagues in my own firm too. But in terms of the thought process, is it's really having someone that can help you go through the process. And the process is relatively straightforward. Insurers want to understand what your IP rights are if you're looking at protecting your own rights. If you're looking at sort of infringement liability issues, the focus is more around the products. But then we also want to know, do you have IP rights that support those products? 
It's understanding what due diligence do you do? Do you undertake searches to identify third-party rights before you launch a product? These are risk management type issues. If you do, how, where, when, what frequency? If, for example, you've had litigation in the past, how was that run? What, what happened? What sort of budgets do you have? Larger companies, for example, where they, they may be consistently having litigation through, through time. Let us understand some of that frequency and severity. And so things that are well prepared in those areas make things a lot easier than perhaps, as we have seen certainly in the past, situations where people may say, well, you're the insurer, you go find out all of the information. A client knows so much more about their own business and their IP exposures than, than we ever will. What, what's really helpful is people coming to the market with an open conversation. And as Aoife said, insurers are very happy to get on calls with, with, with brokers and with clients to work through that. And the better a risk is presented with a more complete information, typically the better result for all. Before I let you all go, does anyone have anything they'd like to add, highlight or kind of shout out? I think what, what, what's really important is for businesses to consider IP exposure and for any brokers and advisors in that chain to understand that there's a difference between the function of, for example, risk managers or, or people in a business that have to look after the financial impact of IP-related issues compared to those on the legal side, uh, perhaps the IP generation and protection side. The two ultimately all come together, but they're slightly different approaches. And what we've tended to see historically is perhaps people looking after the legal side, seeing things from a pure legalistic viewpoint, missing out the fact that if things do go, there's often the finance part of the business is left to pick up the bill on it. Whereas if they're taking a more holistic corporate view, it's recognizing that the insurance side is not there to challenge legal. It's really there to help the smoothing and, and provide financial support for the finance side of the business. What, what has surprised me over the last five months is that I've actually added more clients in that period than I did in the entirety of 2019. And I think there's a recognition in these troubled times that actually IP is often the most valuable asset in a business. When a company recognizes that, then they realize that you know they can be insuring their physical assets, which are less valuable. When it comes to their IP, it really does help and add value if they are thinking about mitigating risk around that valuable asset and the, the most effective way of doing that is by putting IP insurance in place. To kind of touch back on economic recessions as we're undoubtedly seeing slight impacts of and are about to see it I guess deteriorating over the next couple of months. After every recession we see and the nearest example being 2007-2009 we've seen an increase in patent litigation and patent filings and to touch on one of your previous podcasts which I was listening to yesterday Ben the Anticipating the UPC podcast there's a lot of change happening and there's a lot of change happening both on the legal front um, and on the global economic front. And that's what insurance is here for, to transfer some of that risk to us. As a market, we're willing to work with our clients to ensure that some of that uncertainty is taken away um, in respect of the financial impact, should I say. That's it from us today. We hope you enjoyed listening to this episode. We'd like to thank our wonderful panel for taking the time to appear on the pod. And thank you for listening. Be sure to check out intellectualpropertymagazine.com for the latest news, views and developments from around the IP world. Thank you and please stay safe.